This morning, this is the third message in the series, The Long Run. Uh, we have been looking about at how to live our faith in such a way that faith gets passed on to the next generation. The Christian life is not a sprint. Uh, it's not just about saying a prayer. It, it's more of a marathon. It is a journey. It is a long run. It's about passing our faith on to the next generation, knowing that more is caught than is actually taught oftentimes. In the Old Testament, we get a glimpse of how challenging passing on faith to successive generations actually is. There, in the Old Testament, there is story after story after story of first-generation faith, those who did right in the sight of the Lord. But then you get to their kids or their grandkids, and you see that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. No one was exempt from this dynamic. Faithful people, even in this room, have relatives, friends, loved ones that have gone astray. And in the scriptures, we see that priests were not exempt to this effect. Prophets were not exempt from this. Kings knew this pain. It's almost like faith on fire is doomed to be watered down, fade with successive generations. Maybe you're that person in your family who is back in church, rekindling a faith that once cooled. Or maybe you are a believer who, who wants to make sure that the faith that you have gets passed on to your kids and your grandkids. The good news is there is hope. It is possible. And this morning, we're going to go back to the passage that kind of sparked this series. It's Psalm 112, 1 through 6. I want to read that again. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. And that's that first generation faith, that believer who, who walks in the way of the Lord. And it says in verse 2, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. And what I want to do this morning is kind of camp out in verse 2. And it's, it's a passage, it's a verse that talks about leaving a legacy for that next generation. It says this again. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. As a dad, as a father, I would love it if my kids were successful everywhere. Uh, I want nothing more than kids that have a faith that is absolutely on fire. Who, who doesn't, as a Christian, want that for their kids? Who, who in their right mind doesn't want that for the kids that are downstairs in Sunday school right now? Or, or the youth that will be gathering this afternoon? You would be you would be sick as a Christian not to want that for the next generation. But I think it's important to define what that success is 
and what success isn't for a follower of Jesus. I think all parents, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, want kids that are well-educated, employed so they can meet the needs of their families, and we want our kids to be happy. Nobody wants kids that are miserable, uneducated, and unemployed, uh, not just because they'll end up living with you forever. Um, we want what's best for our kids. And if you didn't, you would be a sick parent. What concerns me sometimes today is that people put less weight on the character side of the success equation. They, they see words like in Psalm 112, you, you will be successful everywhere. You will be wealthy. And people think, wealthy, that'll work. That, that'll do right there. And it almost seems like people disregard the blessings of God that faith imparts to character, like integrity and honesty that far outweigh the material blessings of success. We said in the first week of this series that God's call on our life is primarily to be holy, not just to be happy, and that happiness, joy, contentment, all are byproducts of following Jesus and using our life to bring him glory. You can't live for the glory of God without having those intangible things like character and integrity and honesty and a love for other people. Now, with all that in mind, the goal of the church, and we, we are the church, should be to unleash the next generation as biblically grounded, Christ-centered world changers. And, and if that's our goal, if, it's, if we focus on that character part of the equation, I think everything else will fall into place. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, direct your children to the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And if we accomplish getting the kids on that godly road, that narrow road of faith, they will be the salt and light world changers that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter five. Now, when, when you hear world changer, if your kids are like five, you're thinking, whoa, slow, slow down, Pastor Steve. They're only five years old. It, it's the goal. It, it's the long range goal. And I know it's hard to believe if your kids are young, but they don't stay five forever. And this isn't a sprint. It doesn't happen overnight. It's day in, day out. It is, and it often feels like, doesn't it, a marathon. We are in this for the long run. Right now, I know you're trying to keep a path through the toy-free house uh, and trying to keep up with the laundry. Uh, you hear world changer, and if your kids are real long, you would rather have a diaper changer uh, than a, a world changer. If you have teens, you might be thankful for a change in attitude, uh, not, not, not a world changer. But we need to keep the goal in mind as parents, grandparents, and adults who invest our lives in the next generation. We have to cut ourselves some slack because you're not gonna get this perfect all the time. I'm not gonna get this perfect, but we have to remember that the goal is to release the next generation as those who can win the world for Christ. I wanna keep this message as practical as I can. So for kids to be successful everywhere, 
I think we need to focus on what we expose them to. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. See, that, that exposure sets the course of someone's life. If we expose them to wise people, they will become wise. If we expose them to fools, they will get in trouble. Every adult knows, whether you have kids or not, that kids today face influences that, that are bad. And it is frustrating as a parent to pour all your heart, all your soul into your son or your daughter or someone in Sunday school and then see the world crush their spirit. No matter what that dynamic is, you can't just speak faith and healing and love into a child. You need to try all day long. But you can't force faith. But you can expose kids to the love of God and increase the likelihood of their falling in love with God who can heal them and save them. So I want to look at some practical things that we can do to expose our kids to increase that likelihood that they will be Christ-centered world changers. Number one, if you're taking notes, as followers of Jesus, we can expose the next generation to the joy of knowing God personally. John 17, 3 says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Knowing God personally, that's, that's what it's all about. In my opinion, I think the generation of young people that are in the world today that are walking away from church are not rejecting Jesus. They are walking away from the experience of seeing a generation of Christians who just go through the motions and don't let God change their heart and their life in an authentic way. Instead of an intimate relationship of Jesus, it's all about going through the motions or, or rules. And when the next generation experience rules without relationship, there's just rebellion, and they don't want anything to do with it. So as, as a Christian, how do you model a personal relationship with Jesus? I want to give you a a couple ideas. Number one, get in the habit of thanking God for things in front of your kids. Thank him for your food. Thank him for your home. Thank him for the wonderful sunset or the beginning of a new day, for friends, for, for the things that he's teaching you. Just in casual, everyday conversation, get in the habit of thanking God. Help Help kids connect the dots between the blessings of life and the source of those blessings. Number two, get in the habit of being in the word. Do a devotional daily. Read scripture. I remember getting up as a kid, my parents were always reading their Bibles in the morning. And at 13 years old, I, I started reading the Bible just because I thought that's what adults do. You, you, you get up and you, you read your Bible. You do devotions. You pray. But do a devotional, memorize scripture. When Jared was little, we used to memorize scripture together all the time and say them before we went to bed at night. And obviously, it has to be age appropriate. If you have little kids, Zondervan has what they call a rhyme 
Bible, even for you grandparents, it is absolutely phenomenal at teaching those Bible stories to young kids. Number three, spend time in prayer with your kids. Pray at meals. Pray when they're worried and they're afraid. Pray when a family member is sick. Share when God answers those prayers and celebrate that together. In order to have a personal relationship with anyone, you have to talk with them. Make sure you're talking with God. Help your kids start to pray on their own. Ask them to pray for neighbors and relatives. Now, just so you don't get this unrealistic impression that like, ooh, Pastor Steve's house must be like this holy, sacred place of prayer. Um, when our kids were little and we would pray before a meal, like it was a regular thing for somebody to say, he's peeking, <laughs> or she's peeking, or she's making faces at me. Um, so you just try, like day in and day out. You never give up. You, you teach your kids to pray and talk with God. Even today, we still sit down to a meal, the dinner meal together every day. And it is not uncommon for Lisa and I to have to remind one of our kids, hey, we're gonna pray before we start shoveling food in our mouth. Uh, it, it, the battle never ends. But it's a relationship with Jesus that we model constantly. We try. If your kids or your grandkids don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Start asking what ways that you can model that in front of them that are real and authentic because more is often caught than is actually taught. God will answer that prayer. Number two, as followers of Jesus, we can expose the next generation to the power of God in his church. God actually speaks in this place. I am humbled when you all come to a meet and greet and you say, you know what, I like your messages. Uh, they're, they're practical. We actually talk about them around the table at lunchtime. Um, I, I, I experience the immensity of the responsibility of preaching the word when I hear those things. I am grateful, but, but I am humbled. I see posts on Facebook where your kids or grandkids have said something that they heard in Sunday school downstairs, or they start singing a song that you're listening to on K-Love, and you are absolutely blown away by that, uh, I am humbled that our church, that God speaks to your kids in this place. The truth is, you miss a lot when you miss church, because God speaks here. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I I'm going to just keep saying it. I know there are things in your house that are not negotiable. Your kids, as long as they're school in session, are going to school, right? It is not optional. When you eat dinner, you expect your kids to eat dinner. It's not optional. Eating is not optional. You would die if you don't. Um, your kids go to bed at a certain time. I'm sure that's later in the summer, uh, but it's not optional. You're going to bed so you can learn effectively in school. It's not optional, but for some reason, as adults, we sometimes model that God and church is optional. So many families today are just like, yeah, you know, if, if the weather's decent, we might not go because we might have something else to do. Why? What, why is God optional? I don't want you to feel guilty. You're here, so it's good, right? Um, but 
I just want you to consider what you're modeling for your kids. Model that a relationship with Jesus is important and expose them to the presence and power of God in the body of Christ. And we are the body. We see Jesus in you. It says, their children will be successful everywhere. Notice it's not talking about just my kids. It's talking to the church, their children. It, it, it's, there, are, there are kids. When, when we do a baptism, I have you take a pledge that you will be involved in, with those parents in raising that child in the faith. It, it's just not their kid. It's our kid. And scripture says they will be successful everywhere. Lisa and I have been at New Stanton Church now for almost 11 years. And I want to just take a moment to say thank you to all the adults and youth that have helped with our Sunday school program. You cannot imagine the impact that you have had on our kids. Oftentimes, kids don't learn best from mom or dad. You know that, right? Uh, Somebody else says it, and you're like, oh, It's like the golden rule when somebody else says it. But mom or dad, well, imagine that times 10 if your dad or your mom is the preacher. Uh, Thank you for investing your life and your faith in our Sunday school program and investing in the life of my kids, which are our kids. All those kids are our kids. Thank you for serving at Grow and investing your life in those kids. Thank you for allowing my kids and others to serve at places like Grow. You have no idea the difference you are making in those families. It's a joy to see kids serving. Um, Our daughter, Kelly, has leadership skills. Uh, She is organized, artistic, and gives commands and leadership like a boss. Uh, And she gets to use those skills at Grow and Vacation Bible School. And all of our kids serve, and all of our kids have gifts. And I could talk like for days about my own kids, but I don't want to do that and take up the whole sermon. But those of you who are faithful in coming and serving alongside those kids and those students and those youth, you are modeling Jesus for our kids. That's huge. Their children, the scripture says, will be successful everywhere. Expose your kids to the blessing of God working in his church. Number three, as followers of Jesus, we can expose the next generation to the thrill of being used by God. I'm I'm talking about this, but it is awesome to see kids doing well, no matter what they do. It is great to see kids making good grades, doing a piece of art, uh, Scoring a goal, playing sports, playing music, a bag and a turkey if you hunt. But I want to make sure we expose our kids to the thrill of being used by God in someone else's life. At New Stanton Church, at every level, we allow kids to be in service. Youth and entire families can serve on guest services. Uh, When we did Rise Against Hunger, A few weeks ago, it was awesome to see entire families serving together. Students play on our praise team. It is neat that 
that youth and kids get to see God using them in ministry, that they can show people Jesus too. I see kids praying with other people at the steps. In fact, I just wanna take a little bit of time to brag on some kids and youth that I see showing people Jesus because they are world changers. Molly Landman, um, who was here a couple weeks ago and presented the award to Mr. Matt for his youth ministry. Um, she leads worship at youth downstairs on Sunday nights, and she is really talented. I see uh, Jared and CJ Pomaibo praying with people at the steps. Sunday nights, Eric Laux, Heather Overly, Natalie Zikarovich, and Kelsey Womanholly are all college students, and they all serve our youth on Sunday nights. Maureen serves in the cafe uh, almost every time Cheryl Rhodes is there. David Palmarico was playing drums uh, this morning in worship. Our students, our kids serve, and they're showing people Jesus. In a couple weeks, we're going to send the youth group on a missions trip as they go to North Carolina to show people Jesus. It is absolutely incredible what our kids are doing. How can you not be excited about this? Kids and students and adults are discovering their gifts and bringing glory to God, and they are making a difference in the world. In order to continue to do this well, it's gonna take every single one of us because as a church, they are our kids. And we want them all to be successful everywhere. And I want you to hear me. They are not just the church of the future. They are the church of right now. We need as adults to take our role seriously as we launch them into the world as world changers because that's who they are. If there is any hope for our world, it will come through those who are following Jesus. And yes, it will be our kids. That, that, that do it. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this would continue to be true for our church and that God, as we invest our hearts, souls, lives, that you would help us to model this personal relationship with you in front of them, that as we uh, get them involved in the church and rubbing shoulders with other leaders and adults, that you would infuse in them a, a, a faith and a passion to see your kingdom come upon this earth. And God, I pray that you would continue to raise up leaders and people who serve that will serve right alongside of these kids. Get guest services, children's ministry, youth, cafe. God, wherever we can use our love and our influence to change lives and let you be seen, God, do it in us. And give us a heart for those around us, God, as a church in our communities that don't know you. And God, I just give you thanks as a pastor for a church full of people that are passionate about showing other people Jesus. You have blessed us and we give thanks to you. And maybe you're here this morning and it all sounds good to you. You'd, you'd like to be that person that raises a world changer or influences somebody into being more Christ-focused with their lives, but you, you just don't know that you know Jesus 
personally. And I just need to tell you, it starts there. God sent his son because he loves you enough to take your sin, your mistakes, to the cross with him. And in his death, he offers you life. And it is a divine mystery that I cannot explain other than to say it's a leap of faith where we say, Jesus, I trust the work that you did. And it's how I'm going to experience this life now and forever with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if, if you want to invite Jesus into your life personally this morning, would you slip up a hand? Amen. Amen. Would you, you can all pray it if you want to, but if you raised your hand specifically, would you pray the prayer on the screen with me? Heavenly Father, change me. Make me new. God, I recognize my need to know you personally. Jesus, save me and forgive me. My life is not my own. Today, I trust it to you. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for new life. Today, I give you mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.